Thanks for checking out this message from City on a Hill Church International. For ways to connect and get involved in the life of our church, please go to our website, coah.co.za. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you for being gracious with us with getting going. And um, to those of you that are joining us online, welcome. We are so happy to have you in your houses, <laughs> enjoying your comfort, um, especially with the rain. I'm sure that it's comfy, and um, yeah, we really look forward to tonight. So tonight we're going to be um, sharing with Romka and Chantal. Romka is going to be sharing his life story with us. Romka is on eldership. Um, at Sitiana Yale, and he has an incredible story, as does Chantal. And um, so Daphne will be hosting us tonight, and so we are very excited about everything that the Lord is going to do. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for introducing me. Welcome, Chantal and, and Romka. Thank you. And thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> I've heard little bits and bobs of your amazing journey with the Lord, but Today you're going to string that whole bits and bobs into a, a, a long story. I always call it a, a love story with the Lord. So Ramka, if you can just give us a little bit of detail of your young days, where you grew up, um, your family, just share with us a little bit of your, your childhood. Yeah, great. So you guys know my name is Ramka and uh, grew up in the big clock stop. And they say once you've tasted the water of Squinspread, you always stay here. So I think that's probably what's happening right now. Um, but yeah, we, uh, as a child, it uh, grew up on a bit of a in town, and then went out to a farm, and uh, we, had a, we had a great time as a child at a farm. And then uh, yeah, we on a stage, my dad uh, decided to leave me and my mom and my two brothers behind, and uh, yeah, that's when life got really interesting. So, yeah. it, uh, but I'll share a little bit later on that. Chantal. Yeah, I also grew up in Klokstop, and I grew up in a small holding. So um, there were always animals, and um, so I was quite wild at heart. And <laughs> I, loved, I loved my childhood. It was a very free, amazing childhood, yes. <laughs> Die plasmacy. Die plasmacy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit later about yeah. the plasmacy. <laughs> yeah, we got a little bit of heads up on the plasmacy. Yeah. <laughs> so how did your journey with the Lord start? Yeah, yeah I, I think the Lord was just very gracious in my life. Um, from a young age, I would just experience the Lord and I had a desire for Him. My, my parents would drop us at the children's church and we would go. And I had a real encounter um, with the Lord. I think I was about seven years old at the children's church. And I remember going home and I was... Um, you're crying because the Lord really touched me. I was I had a spirit encounter with the Lord at age of seven. So, and it was God's grace. It was just Him. So that's how my journey started. Yes. We had a um, lovely lady in our youth group that was leading our youth group on that stage, and I, I started going to a, a church as a young youth. Uh, some of our friends were there, and. Um, yeah, just, we went to several camps and we went to a lot of different guys that influenced our lives, or my life especially. And uh, I committed my life a few times to the Lord, <laughs> messing up and then you feel far from God and then suddenly you feel like you have to repent again and 
move closer to the Jesus. And uh, yeah, so that was quite a, quite a journey. And Reed always had uh, faith for us. As, as she always reached out. She always, it doesn't matter how much we messed up, we always put her hand up and says, come, come, come. Jesus needs you. Jesus wants you. Jesus loves you. And um, yeah, so that was our journey. And uh, I think there was a, a super encounter one, not I think, I know, there was an encounter one day we went on a youth camp. And that was uh, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit the first time. And uh, shock, what an amazing encounter I had with Jesus. And that's more or less where my life totally started turning around. And I realized, yeah, uh, I need to move closer to Jesus. I need to lay some things down in my life that I was busy with. And that's um, always that voice in your, in your head thing that starts, no, 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 you're messing up now. You're moving away from me. Come closer, come closer. And that was, I think, on a youth camp one one uh, afternoon. Yeah, I actually spoke to Reed the other day and I was just saying to her that she realized the impact of just just that discipleship of, of these young people and how so many of them, um, her consistency and her love um, for them has actually made an impact in the nations of the world. and. So sometimes, you know, we think that our imp- what we're doing is small and insignificant, but just that one person or just those two people that we are pouring into um, makes such a big impact. So Ramka, um, you mentioned a little bit that when you were very young, preteen, your dad left. And tell us a little bit about, you said it was rough. Um, tell us a little bit about how your childhood was when your dad was around versus when your dad wasn't. Yeah, I think uh, rejection creeped into my heart was the biggest problem in it because she suddenly started feeling very rejected. Um, I still remember a lot of promises that, that was made that the well will come and fetch you. And you would sit in, outside by the gate and you just have that expectation of, of your dad is coming to fetch you and just never pitching up. And then that shaped quite a bit about my relationship with God. You know, what, what if God is going to let me down? What is... And that was quite a, quite a journey that I had to work through uh, on a later stage in my life. And um, my mom was an amazing mom. She really had to do two to three different jobs um, just to try and provide for us. We all had to get out and start seeing how we could earn some money to, to, to make mincemeat, you know. And, uh, but my, it, was, it was a rough journey for it. But God is so faithful in that still... My mom took us to church, always, who never kept us from the church, and said, well, this is, uh, this is a place of where God, where you're going to meet God. And uh, so faithful, even though there's no money for petrol or nothing, she would still make sure that we could get to the church. Um, and that was amazing for me. Wow. And Chantel, your family life was, um, you had both your parents um, always available and present in the relationship. Yes, I must say, um, I, was, I was very privileged in that regard. My mom was always there. She would always provide food for us and make food for us and spoil us. And she, We call her a feeder. You always have fed. <laughs> and um, my dad, as soon as he got home from work, he would come home and he would be there, you know. So that was a, a privilege for me. I, I, my dad was always very fu- a lot of fun, especially in the evenings. He would be playing you know, wrestling or whatever, 
And um, so for me, it was, it was a good thing because it taught me that God is, is a good God. He's, he's there for you. And um, that is a lot of fun as well. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, so I heard a lot about this um, purple oh. business suit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so would you want... Any one of you can share the story about the purple business suit that just triggered your love story. So I'll go first, and then uh, you can see she's blushing. So I've only kissed for the Roy. Can I say that in Afrikaans? Because uh, this one I have to do a little bit in Afrikaans as well. So, um, yeah, I, I had a real encounter with Jesus, like I said, with the Holy Spirit. And then uh, I'm going to go a little bit backwards and one day I was standing outside, my parents just left for work and it was school holidays. Yes, and I couldn't wait to go out and quickly take my, my smoke break, you know, when they, and I, I stood outside and I, I, while I was smoking, I just had this Holy Spirit speaking to me again and Jesus just saying to me, what are you doing with your life? Don't you know that you are more valuable to me in what you're busy with? And, uh, I realized I'm, I'm on the wrong track. I'm, I'm, you know that Mark always said that one degree off. I, I was a few degrees off. And I'm going to end up in disaster if I don't make adjustments quick. And uh, I made the adjustments there and then. And stopped smoking that day. And uh, started turning my life totally around. And uh, on that stage, Mark and Marie joined our youth group. And that's where they started joining me what it means to be pure, what it means to be, because I went pure, pure, and uh, yeah, so that it was quite a journey for me, and uh, but I said, I next or putting, is that the right word, taking, is I'm trying to get this English thing going, man. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I said, uh, I want to, uh, that's, that's my wife, that I want to marry that lady, and uh, we were standing in church one night, and uh, I think it was uh, Force. He came to perform at the church that evening, and uh, I was standing in the church row, and the next moment I saw this, this, this girl coming in. But we knew each other from, from quite a while back, and then uh, in that moment I really felt God say to me, this is your wife. You, you must, um, and that's, this is where I'm going to tell you the Afrikaans. You must fast mark your and, that's, <laughs> and, uh, and that's, uh, this is a, a pure Buddha Macy and a pure of art. And, and that's, that's where I just went straight up to her. I, I might not share the rest of it, but the um, yeah, started pursuing and uh, uh, asked for uh, coffee. No, 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 next day. I, I, I chatted to her that evening and the next day I phoned her up and said, listen, can I have a coffee? Can I come over for coffee? And then uh, I spilled the beans. I said, listen. So, uh, uh, <laughs> but my, yeah, this is what my attention is. This is where I'm going. This is what I feel God has called me. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll let her share her version of it. <laughs> I want to hear, hear this version. Sure. <laughs> it felt like a contract. You're like, you know, you're out. This is the contract. Are you, are you signing or not? <laughs> yeah, the, the moment, um, I just, when, I, when Runka came to visit me that evening, I also knew, I just knew, this is my husband. I felt the Lord tell me, this, this is your husband. And although I thought, but I don't like him. 
He's very arrogant. He's <laughs> his foot a bit bare. Yeah, but okay, it's my husband. But if this is what you want, I want what you want. And just before that, I'm like, even though I got saved at a young age, he discipled me. So I was always, you know, I didn't really grow in the Lord. So um, in that week, I also prayed and I told the Lord, God, I feel like I'm just messing up my life. And I want to live for you. I want to live for you fully. And I only had two boyfriends in my life. And it was this one boyfriend. And then it was Runke. <laughs> he was a good boyfriend. <laughs> the other relationship was very manipulative. And I told the Lord, I said, I don't want to be in this relationship. This is not, I don't feel this is what you want for me. So I want you in my life. Lord, I want to live for you. Must know if he wants to marry me, he, he needs to put you first because you are first in my life. I want to go to the nations, I want to spread the word. So, if I get a husband, great. If I don't, I don't even care. You are my husband, I want to live for you. And my husband must be strong, he must be a hard worker. <laughs> and I said, um, like my dad, he's a hard worker, and um, yeah, he must want to live for you, and he must want to go to the nations. Because that's just what it is for us. Otherwise, there's nothing. And so, yeah, the, the first evening, and I also, I think I also said, the, the next guy, if there's a next guy, I want to marry him. And I want to go to my matric farewell with him. <laughs> yeah, that's exact. That was the list. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Uh, yeah, oh. we did. <laughs> and, um, yeah, when he came to visit me that evening, it was a week later, I went to church, and that evening he came to visit me. As he climbed out of the car, I knew this is my husband. And he came with the contract, and I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> this is weird. We don't even really know one another, but it's as if he's asking me to marry him already. So <laughs> I think we can maybe, you know, be friends for a while and see what happens. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's what happened. We, we were just friends for at least three months, but we knew what the attentions was, and our attentions was, and that's yeah. where we went. And Mockery was very helpful for us in that mm. stage, helping us where it be a soundboard that we can bounce on and, and just st walking us through that, those moments and having a pure, godly relationship. Mm. Yeah. I hear Chantal says um, she knew that she was called for the nations. And how old were you when you met? When I met him. Yeah, when, he, when you, he saw you in that purple yeah. business suit. We knew one another from 13. We were in the same um, children's church. <laughs> it was yeah. so funny. But we only um, started going out when we were 17. Yeah, 17. Yeah. So you already knew that you had a, had a heart for the nation. Yes, I just always had this burning desire. Since a young child that the Lord called me to do big things for him. He yeah. gave me a dream even once. Um, of me standing on a rock in a remote place, telling people that Jesus is the only way. And so God was just very gracious. He, he always pursued me, even though we, we didn't really pray a lot in our house. You know, it's like, but my parents, they knew about God and they loved God, but we didn't pray a lot. We mm. prayed around the table, you know, yeah. and that's, yeah. But God pursued me, yeah. And, and Ramka, did you have a defining moment where you felt, Okay, I'm, I'm called for the nations. Or, or was it a process of, you know, trying children's church, trying youth and trying that and eventually finding your right fit? Well, like I said, we, we were doing a service year or a year for Christ. And uh, 
yeah, so I knew God had called me. I didn't know exactly where, what, and how, but I knew there was a strong call in my life, and I always thought about it, and uh, it was, yeah, I'm going to be a youth pastor one day, or I'm going to somehow work for Jesus, you know, that's, that's what I uh, was convinced about, and um, in the service here, we went out to Botswana, Kai Kai, and uh, me and Chantal, and a whole bunch of the, the young guys, and uh, there was a, a real moment where one of the, the, the guys um, killed uh, his girlfriend with an asakai, and, uh, and he's also he stabbed the mother-in-law, and uh, I, I saw this lady die in front of my eyes, and uh, she was, she, Chantal was actually with me, next to me on that stage, and uh, we saw that almost like how she blows out the last breath, and how she, the body is still read, and, you, and, you, and you're praying, and you say, Jesus, but I don't know if she knows you, I don't know if she can die now, I don't know if, and that was a, that was a, a real encounter, but it's not an encounter, it was a turning point in my life, where, where I realized that Jesus, there's so many people out there that don't know you necessarily and uh, or don't know you and, and, and we need to preach the gospel to all of them. And that scripture is just so real. Therefore go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that just came alive to me from that day onwards. And that's since then we always have been into the nations and every opportunity we had um, we shared the gospel with people. Except one day and maybe I must share that with you guys and uh, uh, me and Chantal was already married let me check a little bit more so after the service here uh, I had to get out and find a job I, it wasn't that easy to just go work for Jesus it's like it was a journey but I didn't realize that God is actually preparing me and it's actually giving me a lot of life skills how to work with different people uh, different clients because I had such a diverse spread of clients that I always worked with and uh, I, I did some serious kilometers um, on that stage, and uh, God just helped me and prepared me um, well in advance. I never realized, but there was a lot of provinces, there was a lot of prof, uh, prophetic words of our lives that you're going to go into the nations and you will see a lot of people saved, and, 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 and but it wasn't an immediate thing that you could walk in. There was glimpses of it, but it, it took some years. To, to walk it out, and then um, uh, I need to just, yeah, I don't know, your question just, uh, I'm getting off. Yeah, you want to share maybe? Yes, yes. So, and uh, while I was a representative, the one in December, it was, uh, we were on holiday, and I drove past this friend of mine, it was a very close friend on school, and uh, I knew he was on, on blue, and uh, I drove past him and I felt God say to me, pray for him. I said, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll do that now. I, I just quickly going to go home. Chantal is waiting for me. I'm just going to drop the stuff off and I'm going to tell her, listen, I'm, I'll come back now. Uh, I just quickly want to go and pray for this friend. And I went back and I tried to find him and I couldn't find him again. And I was driving around and it was just, I couldn't find him. And the next day, the report came through that he's dead. And he passed away on overdose. And I said, Lord Jesus, may I never, 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 never lose the opportunity again to pray for someone. It was, 
And that was quite a turning point for me in my life as well. It was quite a significant moment where I said, Lord Jesus, if you spoke, I'll, I'll do no matter what. And that, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think I, what I, um, just firstly, I mean, just that, the importance of that, you know, I think even for me, I'm just thinking, yo, we really need to be living obedience to the Lord. But what I also um, like about what you're saying is, before you were full-time doing what you're doing now, you were consistent with um, being in the business world, being, and those clients that, that Romka had contact with were instrumental in what we're sitting in today. Yes. I mean, even this building, Romka heading up this, this facility and the, so many things that were given to the church and brought to the church were because of those relationships and connections that that you had made and so i think it's important for us to take note of even when we're not in full-time ministry i think we're all always in full-time ministry to be diligent and um just a good report with the with the people that we're working with and with our clients and with our bosses and it's just so important because the lord uses those later on No, Garen says, wherever we are, wherever we planted, we need to be influencers, hey? Mm-hmm. So, I know there's also a lot of fun that takes place when you're on mission. And you shared a story with us about going and praying for the dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we felt uh, uh, I, one of those moments, God pressed on my heart, I want you to go to Lesotho. And uh, we and the team went out to Lesotho, and just, boy, was it cold. <laughs> if you ever were wondering, a Land Rover can get really cold. <laughs> that was that moment where we slept in the Land Rover. It was like a fridge. It was freezing me. But uh, the next morning, we went out, and we, we went praying to the sick at the hospital. And uh, with me was, was two guys. Um, I called them Timon and Pumbaa. And uh, they had this wild dreams always that so they would we would sit in a conversation and then i would start speaking and says what if this big rock started rolling down this mountain and the things like that that are always uh, you know those are the two guys that are with me and we were standing at the hospital through the men's ward praying for the sick and god did amazing miracles they healed quite a few um really and you you know you you psyched up is that the right word you, you're yeah, yeah. full of faith you're gonna do this and uh, we were waiting outside and for the ladies because the ladies' walk was much fuller and we were standing and standing. And I said, hey, guys, don't you want to, let's go and pray for the dead, you know. There's the, 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 the mock, MOC, and uh, standing painted on the wall. And uh, let, let's go in and let's go and pray. And uh, yes, guys. Um, but God placed a, a real desire in my heart as well since that day that, that lady died that I want to pray for the dead. And I, I want to see them raised. I want to see God's hand and evident in their lives because I don't know if they know Jesus. And uh, we went inside and uh, no one, no one at the counter, no one, we couldn't find someone. We see there is a little door slightly open, but we're going to go into this room now, me and my two crazy friends. And we're going to pray for his dead body. And uh, as we opened the door and we stepped into the room, that body sat, sat up straight. Guys, you can be full of faith, but when you see that, suddenly your prayer, everything else is gone. It's it's out of the door. It's like 
you're so freaked out, you don't know what now. <laughs> so it's like we really had a fright. And uh, then we realized uh, that uh, it was actually a mental, mental institution. <laughs> it's a mental ward. And uh, that body that was laying down on the ground with a sheet over it was actually just someone that, that was sleeping in the, in the, in the uh, little room. But the fact that the body, did, the human being sat outstruck and did call out Jesus is a miracle. And we yeah. managed to pray. And so I didn't see the, ra- the dead raised. But I'm telling you, I had a fright of my life <laughs> in that moment. Uh, I, do, I do want to ask, because Chantal, obviously with kids, and actually I don't know if you heard the... Um, Joshua is calling, calling his mom and his dad um, as we are sitting here. But I want to ask, what has it been like for you as a mom, as a wife of someone that is often out, often, I mean, now that he's heard God say you obey when you hear, um, what's that been like for you? I think um, what helped was that the Lord did that in my heart before we got married. Sure. That, um, that my heart was already sold out to offer up for the kingdom, anything that God would ask. So, and the Lord w- um, walked a journey with us before we got married. And um, there were a time where we actually broke up because I felt that he was more important to me than God. And I'm not saying go do that, people. It's just our journey, you know. And the Lord said, offer up your Isaac, and I did it. And it was painful. But the Lord there, he, he told me. I also want to jump in there. And that yeah. was also the service year that we both did yes. on, on that stage. And yeah. that was where God came and did a lot of healing in my heart as well, as, as the rejection from your father, the rejection of yeah. man. And uh, God healed us both in that mm. year, even though we were breaking, broke up yeah. for that year. Yeah, and... There, God, God did that work in me. I, I said, Lord, okay, is this, is this man for me? And the Lord confirmed it, and we both knew for sure, yes. The Lord wants us to get married after this year, and, um, but we knew that, that he can never be more important to me than God, and I cannot be more important to him than God is for him. So if God says, do something, then you need to do it. You need to be obedient. So that was how we started. That was our foundation for, for our marriage. So that helps. Um, yeah, what we do with our kids, um, because now there's kids in the mix, and it's difficult sometimes. There is a sacrifice to it, to send in your husband. I mean, we love one another. We love spending time with one another. And we always say you need to acknowledge it. Acknowledge when it's difficult. It doesn't help you pretending nothing is wrong. It's difficult today. It's okay. You're allowed to cry. I'm allowed to cry. My kids are allowed to cry. And we do cry sometimes together. And afterwards, we laugh again because we look so funny and silly <laughs> while we are all crying. So we, we acknowledge it. And, but with that, we say with the sacrifice comes blessing. So um, we decided early on that we are going to make it fun. When that's away, it's our blessing week. And there's certain privileges that we get when he's away that we don't get when he's at home. So I like painting. So the rule is when Runga goes away, I can paint the house. And he comes back and he must trust me while he's gone. She can paint whatever. In the house, in the... Yes. Even the true circus. 
Yeah. But let it share about the true circus. No, that was a big blubs. That was the only <laughs> blubs ever. But the rest was were always good because I know his style and us, our color schemes are mostly the same. So I only use certain colors of paint. I won't use something that I know he doesn't like because I want him to like it. And I would ask his advice. So that's one thing, that when it gets too difficult for me and I get frustrated, I go paint stuff. The kids always say, you better not be around your mom because she's going to paint you. <laughs> so that's our one thing. The other thing is, me and the kids do stuff together. That's, we do dates in that week. We, we have to pre-plan that week, we found for ourselves. Because when you are down and you miss your husband or your daddy on a Wednesday and you didn't plan stuff for that Wednesday, you're not at a very creative space in your mind to plan. So we often plan that week beforehand, and I ask the kids, where do they want to go to visit? Who do, who do they want to visit? Then we go visit that person. We plan it beforehand. So they know already. There's something to look forward to when that's away. They, we um, do pamper evenings. We do movie nights. We do like, it's not pub crawling. We call it um, drive-through crawling. So we go to different drive-throughs and we maybe buy the cheapest thing on the menu, but it's fun. <laughs> so, or, or master chef cooking. They can make whatever they want to with whatever is in the house. And then we sent that photo. So we make it fun and we go visit friends and we, we know that it's not us going, it's the church going. Sure. It's never us, it's the church. We made a decision that we will not do an outreach without the prayer team. The prayer team is, they are absolute heroes. If you don't have a prayer team praying for you, you feel it. So the prayer team helps, the community, the church helps so much. If there's a thing, I, I know I can phone someone. And our families, like the grannies, granddads, aunts, they're all there, you know. So that really helps. Um, so, yeah, and I must say, the Lord, um, he loves showing himself to our kids and to us. So often when Runka goes away, it's as if God goes out of his way to bless us. And he would do things for the kids that they've been praying for for long. And in that time... He will keep it for that time, and he will do it for them. He will bless them with that thing or whatever it was. And they will testify, yo, that was God. Yeah. 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 And, and in terms of when Romka phones and there's bullets flying past his ears, or, you know, I think it's <clears throat> you have a natural inclination to have a little bit of fear. Because I remember when, when I first married Billy, I never wanted to marry a policeman. Or a governor. No, that was on my list and God didn't listen to me. <laughs> but I, that was the concern was, the reason why I didn't want to marry a policeman was because I never knew if he was coming back home that evening. And the thing that, that just settled in my heart is if you're a praying woman, you never have to fear a day in your life whether your husband's coming home or not. Is that true for you? Or did God give you another anchor that you hold on to when you know Romka is going out? Yeah, so we always say there's the going team and there's the house team. And sometimes we just have to be the house team. And the Lord is so faithful because um, like one time when Romka went to Sudan and he was, I think, in Uganda, the one evening I could not sleep. And I just knew something's happening and I need to pray because it was a very dangerous trip. And they could not tell us exactly where they were at because there were actually spies following them. 
all the, the whole time there's people following you. And um, so I, I prayed. I prayed in tongues, and I would not stop praying until that burden lifted. And um, the next morning, we could actually talk to one another on the phone. And I said, what happened last night? <laughs> and I just, no. And he said, no, there were missiles um, that was... I think you call it shot. I don't know anything about the army. But it was just very close to him. And so that, that is awesome for me, that the Lord would make me part of it like that. So prayer, definitely. Um, and I think God prepared us beforehand. It took years for us to... We would go into the nations while he was, um, you know, working. But the Lord prepared us. And he gave us a lot of promises and words and one of it was, he will come home safely. Someone actually said it to me like exactly like that. And I always hang on to that word. And another word is that you will grow old like Caleb. So I always say, when the enemy comes to lie to me, I'm like, listen, the, the Lord said, you will take ground for God like Caleb until his old age. And he's not old yet. So that's it. <laughs> So those are your anchoring words. Uh, I just want to backtrack. Romka likes to backtrack. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Romka, you mentioned something about healing. You went through a journey and the Lord healed you from rejection. How did that healing look like? Because a lot of people, you know, they, this day and age, there's a lot of kids struggling with rejection and identity and absent dads and, you know, those kind of things. And they wrestle and they struggle to, and I know that, it wasn't difficult for me, like Chantal, because my dad, I understood the father's love because I had, a, I had a father that had issues that he struggled with, but he never neglected to show me love. So it was easy to understand the father's love. But there's a lot of young men, young women growing up today with no dads present. How did that healing look for you so that you could share with them tonight and maybe they can start somewhere um, with the Lord? Mm. I think the biggest thing is, is to be real with God. He, he knows your heart already. He knows what you are thinking already. It's, but being real with Him in that moment and, and really chatting through it. And then the, the other thing is um, having men in your life that can speak into your life. Having mentors, having... And God has really blessed me with a lot of different men that spoke into my life um, over, over that period. And uh, some very close to Jesus, some far, not far from God, knows God, but has got very great principles in life, and, and um, they are solid men. And God just using glimpses of different people that, that I could be real with, that I can chat to, and they could just guide me and show me where some weak spots on me, or my thinking, or, and that was quite a quite a journey um, and it's not a quick fix it's it's a it's a wound that's there and you need to address it you need to and it's it's sought to open it's sought to to address it's sought to but the nonsense needs to come out the, the nonsense in your heart needs to come out so that God can heal it and you need to be real with him and say really how you feel and and you have to forgive I think forgiveness is a huge thing that people just struggle with struggle to forgive um I think God, God wants us to live free. Um, I, I think maybe Chantal can share this one a little bit about the back pain. I'll leave it now. But um, yeah, if, if you can um, definitely forgive. 
think that was the biggest thing for me. Um, and then start walking into victory and allow the voices in your, in your life. For me, you know, forgiveness is, a lot of people said you must forgive and forget. Mm. I don't think you can ever forget. No. But forgiveness comes when there's no emotion attached to that situation. Then you know that you've really healed. Mm. And then you use the memory as a testimony of God setting you free from those certain emotions. I was chatting to, to one of our cleaners and um, a few years ago, and she said her son was struggling with gangsterism. He's getting involved in gangsterism. And it, it was a penny-dropping moment for me when I realized gangsterism is so rife because boys are looking for father figures. They're looking for leadership in their lives. They're desperate. So a gang leader becomes a father figure, but it becomes a negative father figure. And what you said is so true. Surround yourself with men that can build you, that you allow yourself to be vulnerable to, that they are able to point out, hey, there's a frot eir and you need to deal with it. And there's a little issue, there's a little weed there. I think we need to go gardening and pull out some weeds. So I think it's so important what you say, and, and it's an appeal to men to, to listen. Put yourself out there. Find young men in your community, in your church, that don't have a father figure, and be that father figure. And that's an example of God's love to the, the boys that don't have daddies in their lives. So share some the back pain with us. Yeah, um, Caleb was quite small, uh, because I know I do carry him a lot. So, But um, all of a sudden, I had this severe backache, and I could not carry him like I should, you know. And Ronke, the one day, said, I think you have unforgiveness in your heart, and that's why you have backache. And I was like, what? Who are you to say I have unforgiveness in my heart? You don't know what's going on in my heart. I, yeah, I don't have unforgiveness in my heart. <laughs> and I, I went to visit Ainsley, and um, we were sitting, and just I think we were just drinking coffee or whatever, chatting. And then she said, maybe you should pray about having unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe there's something the Lord wants to heal. <laughs> and I was like, no, come on, not you as well. And then I realized, okay, maybe there is something going on in here that I'm not dealing with. And um, I asked the Lord and he showed me and there was unforgiveness and I did heal. Uh, yeah, I did forgive the person and the Lord healed me and my backache was gone instantly like instant instantaneously yeah it was just gone and healed sure. yeah yeah and i think it's just important to note that it doesn't mean every time you have back ache that 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 it means you've got no, please don't build a theology about this <laughs> no i think yes. that that was yeah. more word of knowledge or just yes. and through the discipleship um but yes sometimes that happens yes. hey where we have yeah. You know, unforgiveness or any resentment that can it affects us physically. Mm. What yeah. yeah allows the enemy to to do more in our lives. So yeah, the other day I also had severe backache, but it wasn't because of unforgiveness. I just uh, yeah I carried Joshua wrong and I did something that I shouldn't have. So yeah, not everything is connected to that. <laughs> so Ramka, share some stories with us. Say you know just I always say when I read an autobiography. It just builds my faith. I want to go out and take on the world for the Lord. And I think you have a little bit of an autobiography going for yourself there with all these stories that the Lord has shown you. I heard something about a bird that 
Oh. You, you threw in the air and a dead bird <laughs> fell from the sky. Please share with us. That's, that's so exciting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I shared with the youth this morning. And uh, what do you believe? And, and what, is you, what do you believe as a Christian? And uh, what is your, your faith built on as a Christian? And uh, early, early days, those... That, that moment where I had then just after I smoked, stopped smoking and I said, Jesus, I, I need to know if you're really real. I need to know that you, you love me. I need to know that you, this whole thing, is it not just man-made history? And uh, I was still standing in the field and I, 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 a dead bird fell off the sky in front of me. And I'm like, Jesus, what's this now? And, uh, and I picked this bird up and I said, Lord Jesus, I, I know, I, I don't know if I, I can pray for this or, or I can't, but I need to know if you are real. And I prayed for this bird to come alive because the bird is dead. There's nothing moving. It's clear. Nothing happened. And I took this bird and I threw it into the sky and it, nothing happened. And I picked the bird up again. I said, Lord Jesus, please. I need to know. And wow. second time, nothing happened. <laughs> And you know what, the third time, as I threw this bird into the sky, it flew away. Wow. And I said, Jesus, you are so real. You're so alive till today. And that was early, and I, actually this morning I remembered while I was speaking about the youth, I a long time forgot about that little bird incident, but it was so real for me. Wow. And uh, I ran into the house, my mom and my dad, uh, stepdad, uh, I told him about this, this, this and they were like, you're, just, you're crazy, but they still, <laughs> still believed me, they still said, well, if, if it happened, it happened, you know, so, and that was, that was the early day. It's amazing you share that story, and it just triggers a memory when I was not saved, and I, I grew up in a Muslim community, and one of the religious books spoke about Jesus picking up a bird, and he spoke to the bird, and the bird flew off. So when you share that story, it's like, yo, Jesus did it. He says, these things and greater things we will do. T yeah. Tell us a little bit about Sudan. Yeah, I really felt the call that Jesus um, called me to, to go to Sudan. And uh, the next moment, uh, while we, we were on holiday together, and as I was driving back, God showed me clearly what is the, the way that we're going to do it. And um, very quickly, things fell into place. And... Um, the timing and the, everything was right. But it was really difficult to, to pack your bags and getting your house in order, as um, getting your draw, saying to my wife, you know what, Lavi, I know we, we're standing on the word of Jesus Christ, but here's the draw that's got everything in it. And uh, everything from these days, you have to know your Google password and all, everything that I wrote down in that drawer and I put it in to make sure that my wife will be looked after, my kids will be looked after as we went. And uh, it's amazing how God is so faithful in it. We, we went in, and it was guys that were driving days without, um, without food in any case, but um, with a bicycle out of some of the Nubi mountains to come and fetch Bibles that they've never heard the gospel, hiding for the, the war that's busy happening in Sudan, and came out, fetched some Bibles from us, and went back in and took some of those Bibles in. And it was amazing how God is so faithful. Um, I remember the one time uh, we, we sat many times on borders that, uh, that 
you just sit and wait <laughs> for paperwork and things like that to happen. And the one border, we, um, they just didn't want to allow us to, to go through. They just, they said, uh, we are um, uh, smuggle, um, smuggling. smuggling Bibles into this country because it was just supposed to be in transit through this country, but they didn't want to allow us at all to, to go through. And uh, I remember this guy wrote us a little um, note uh, or uh, a gate pass. You have to get gate pass. And they couldn't, they, they didn't want to want us to, to take this 30,000 Bibles through, but he was willing to, to write this um, gate pass for 5,000 Bibles. Now, that, that's like a, almost a death sentence if you wanted to see it like that. It's, you're going to drive through this country, there's weight bridges, there's, there's a lot of things. I'm telling you, we went straight through that whole country with not even once have to wait at the weight bridges, meaning either the, the system was down or the machine was broken or the power was off or we drove right through the whole country without putting a truck once on the, on the scale. And God just was so faithful through that whole country and we took the whole 30,000 Bibles right through the country. Some of those things, that, um, some stories. But uh, I want to tell you another story. We, uh, once some of our guys, we were about 40 oaks that went into Mozambique. And uh, three years before that, we went to this village and we were on the bikes visiting this village. And we knew, yes, God's got a real call on this village, but there was nothing happening. There was, there was a lot of people, but there's no church, there's no nothing. And we drove quite far with the bikes, crossing rivers and things like that. Um, and but that was on the right-hand side of the river. So we were camping on the left-hand side of the river. And uh, we went back and we said, one day we're coming back. And uh, three years later, God opened the door, pressed it on my heart, and we we managed to get a team out there and uh, now you're driving the right hand side of the river that you don't know nothing of and we've got more or less idea of where this village is but and, yeah, we left the 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 base around about 6 30 in the morning crossing the border and we drove and we drove and we drove and we drove for more and crossing rivers and we had to build logs that we had to carry move some of the vehicles some of the guys that they can testify, they drove into this massive spider webs with these spiders on it. And it's, it's quite a, it was a crazy adventure. But God is so faithful through it. And by nighttime, around about seven o'clock, I said, Jesus, I, I need to find this village now. I've got a lot of people with me. We can't camp just here because there was for real li uh, wild lions in that region. So you can't just camp anywhere you have to be really wise and i've got this team with me and i said jesus i need a sign if i need to carry more i, I need to push on more i need to i need a sign lord yeah. and the next moment i saw this tree bending from the inside out a random tree in this bush after driving several several hours and the lord said to me i've got you my boy just keep on going and uh we about half an hour later we managed to get the village and uh, we, we camped and God did amazing stuff. Um, the guys from Artis are still ministering uh, monthly, yearly into that village. And God is uh, the one guy that, the first guy that we met was an English speaking guy. The rest, none of, we, we didn't meet the rest of the trip, any English guys except this guy. 
And this guy uh, was a man of peace uh, from the start. And we managed to, uh, his dad used to lead a church in that specific village. And uh, he was working on some of the mines in, in Joburg. So he was traveling a lot up and down and we could help him with some material and God just got that city on his hand or that village on his hand and just ministering to them consistently still. So this is just one of the, the stories. I, I, you know, we all hear God differently. And I, I keep hearing you say, I felt God impress on my heart. I felt God say, and I felt God. And I, every week I get up and I feel like God's calling me somewhere. <laughs> you know, we have that feeling. But it's not always. It's how sometimes our emotions. If I listen to you, I feel like, okay, I want to go to that village now. Let's pack our bags and go. <laughs> but it may not be necessarily God speaking. So for those of us that are learning to hear from God or learning to feel that impressing on my heart, how does that impressing on your heart feel? Some of us are dreamers. I know we'll dream and God will put a country, specifically a specific country in a dream. But for you, how does that sound when God speaks to you and you feel, okay, I need to go there? I think you will know God's voice when you start. And, and I, I know we can read the Bible and we can speak to God. And, and, mm. But when you start trusting Him for the small things in life, you start exercising that muscle. And that's how you get that muscle stronger and stronger. And you know that you know that this is Jesus. And, uh, and it starts with praying for the petrol thing. Then. It starts with praying for the cashier or the, just someone. Um, a lot of times I would walk and I would suddenly see this random thing laying somewhere. Um, and I would pick it up and I said, Lord Jesus, what are you saying to me through this? Because you will suddenly place my attention to that thing. Otherwise, I wouldn't see it. Yeah. And so, say, for instance, you will pick up this 10 cent or, or this pen and I saw this pen earlier tonight laying on the table random pencil on it and uh, I asked God already what is this Jesus why are you paying my attention to this for who's this word what are you saying to that person and as I'm praying as I'm exploring hearing his voice he might not immediately say to me because the whole night I've been asking God for this pen but as I picked it up now um Ma'am, I don't know what your name is that's sitting on the right-hand side. Yes, Karen. And I just felt God saying, He's busy writing your story. And you might listen to my story and think, wow, it's amazing. But God has predestined you exactly, and He's writing your story. And don't give up. Keep on pressing into Him. He's writing your story. And that's what I just felt God saying to you. And that's how easy it is. It's hearing God's voice as just a simple thing and that's how it works with me but you need to ask God how he's speaking to you because I'm a very practical person and that's why he's using practical things in my life to use it and uh, oh, you will use it so you will show me certain things and then I know okay I need to pay attention to these things and for you Chantal how do you hear God's voice yeah just so for God's I want to just backtrack quickly to the outreaches I think what is awesome is if you, if you are, in a, are, in, on in a, are in a church, you know, um, so you can maybe feel like the Lord wants us to go to Mozambique or whatever. It's always good to go to the rest of the eldership team and to just submit it under them. And if it's from God, they will also sense it and they will also be like, yes, let's do yeah. this. So you're always in a team as well. You know, always Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. So that helps as well to hear God's voice and for me God will also um, focus my attention on something specific um, 
Yeah, mostly it will be like that. I don't dream often. I would love to dream more often, but I don't. Um, so for me, it's mostly also just I would be busy with something and my eye would um, see something, you know, to c c catch my attention or whatever. And then the Lord will talk to me through that. And it must always just be in line with Scripture as well. Yeah. It won't contradict what the Scriptures are saying. Yes. So in closing, I don't know if you have any probing questions that maybe you want clarity on. No, I think I'm just very encouraged to walk a life of obedience and a life of faith and just knowing Romka and Chantal and seeing, seeing the hand of God, seeing faith outworked has encouraged us, even, you know, even us as a team, you know, that them being on our team has helped us to walk, step out in faith more. And that's the beauty of team. So it's not a thing of... Um, like we've got this, we've got this eldership team, and they're coming and they're submitting it under. It's, it's we're all in this together, and that's that's the beauty of team, right? Um, how you know, we stretched <laughs> by them <laughs> and um, encouraged. So Romka, if you can just pray with us uh, or pray for us, for those that are here and those that are watching. The young men specifically, I feel that, you know, that are struggling with rejection, if you can pray for them, and those that feel a call to the nations. Mm -hmm. And the women, if you can just also pray for the women that need to release their, their husbands, or their women also feel a call to the nations, you know? So if you can just pray for us on that one, Chantal. I just quickly want to say this last thing. I, while we were building this building, um, the one day we were uh, doing the plumbing in the, in a, we were really in the trenches. We were digging the trenches, laying the pipes. And in that moment, um, I felt God say to me, I need to pray for this person. And uh, there was a bucket driving into the, into the, the, the area. I, I think that's your uh, calling. <laughs> um, and I, And uh, this guy were, that was doing our plumbing on that stage were with me in the trenches. And I got out. And I said, hey, just quickly give me a, a minute or two. I just quickly need to pray for this guy. And uh, we went out and I just prayed and asked God, what do you want to do? And that guy actually wanted to commit suicide. He, he said to me, he took the note out that he already wrote in his back pocket. That was, he didn't tell anyone about it. And uh, we prayed for him, and God set him free. And we went back, and we jumped in the trenches, and we carried on with a plumbing pipe. And that guy's life was so impacted in that moment. And he said, he's never seen it. It's, it's while we're doing life, while you're in the trenches, while you and it's literally in the trenches, it's where God is so faithful in and, and doing it. And uh, it starts, the heart for the nation starts with the small things of, Lord, okay, I don't see anyone right now, but show me more, or what, show me, and then you will see, and just yeah. take the moment, seize the, seize the moment, these, these moments every day, the whole day around you, and take that moment, Paul's consider, ask God for that moment, otherwise it will just pass, yeah. and uh, you might miss that opportunity, and uh, you might never have that opportunity again. And just pray for us in closing. Yes. Thank you. Yes, Lord, thank you that we can uh, 
call upon your name and know that everything we do is, is to make you known. And, and it's, you love your bride so much, Lord Jesus. You love your people so much, Lord. And Lord, we are just vessels. We are just a tool in your hands, Lord Jesus. And Lord, um, if there's any of those guys that's experiencing rejection right now, that never dealt with some of the unforgiveness or just not um, feeling well right now, Lord Jesus, I ask that you, you touch him, Lord Jesus. You say in your word that we can walk in, in freedom and you say that we can walk in, in, in complete healing, Lord Jesus, because that's what you came and did for us on the cross, Lord. So, Lord, thank you that you love us so much that you sent your only son to us and that you set us free from all these things, Lord Jesus. And may we always keep our eyes on you and you alone and uh, follow you. And may, may we open our ears that we just hear your voice so clearly, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord, and we also just want to pray for Romka and Chantal and this beautiful family, and we ask, Lord, that you'll continue to open the doors, Lord, and that, um, that you'll continue to provide, that you'll continue to um, stretch their faith and um, stretch us as a church, Lord, that you would increase our heart for the nations, increase our heart to see the miraculous and to see just you, you doing things on our behalf. Increase our heart for the lost and for those that are in need of you, Jesus. Help us to see those people in our everyday lives. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from City on a Hill Church International. For more content and ways to connect, visit www.coah.co.za. Thanks for listening.